Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 11 with Adam Clement. to episode 11 of the Makers of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. Today on the show, Adam Clement is joining us. Adam is the team sports creative director of Under Armour. Adam has been at Under Armour for nearly 12 years and his work has adorned teams such as the Auburn Tigers, South Carolina Gamecocks, Maryland Terrapins, Texas Tech Red Raiders, and the recently unveiled Notre Dame uniforms. Adam has been named in the 40 under 40 for the Baltimore Business Journal and has done many interviews with the likes of ESPN and more regarding his work at Under Armour. Welcome to the show, Adam. I appreciate you taking the time to join me, man. Thanks, Adam. Happy to be here. Yeah, no no problem. Adam, I touched briefly uh, in the intro on your background, but can you go a little bit more in depth uh, and maybe talk about how you got into design and then your eventual path to your role at Under Armour now? So I've always been really, really interested in design and art. Uh, Even as a young kid, about age seven, I actually started to draw baseball stadiums, uh, made up baseball stadiums. Then on the following page of my sketchbook, I'd actually make up a baseball team and do their uniform and uh, talk about their colors and special patches that went on sleeves. Um, I'll actually look back at those drawings today and it blows my mind to think and see how much of those little things I did unknowingly actually are what I do today. It's, it's, it's pretty funny to, to see. But uh, I actually wanted to be a professional baseball player, and that was my plan for most of my younger life. And uh, that surely died away as I got older and realized that uh, I was half the size of all the guys that were making the big leagues. So um, I wanted to find a way to, to reunite my love for design and my love for sport, um, which ultimately led me to where I am today. But in between uh, sort of that, the hobbies of sketching uniforms as a kid and where I am now. Um, I went to school at James Madison and I majored in graphic design. I graduated from there and went to uh, DC and worked doing mostly logos and corporate identity for a PR firm. And while I was there, we actually stumbled onto a project for Savannah State University and we were working to redo their university mark. The project ultimately fell through, but in doing that, I started just for fun to sketch their uniforms and make up a, a mascot logo and it sort of dawned on me that there was somebody out there that was getting paid to do this. And, and I guess I was sort of naive enough to think that I could do it. And why, why, why shouldn't it be me? So I started to take inroads into figuring out how to get into the field. Um, I actually took a day off of work there and I wrote down all of the major players in this industry and um, started making phone calls, the cold calls, just to find out you know, if they were hiring, how I could get into the, into the field. You know, this is before Under Armour was, was even, even relative um, and important in the, in the space. But, um, you know, I actually had gotten some, some really interesting responses. Uh, some people telling me, you know, people go to school for years and years to do this and turn me down rather quickly. Um, I, I had a couple of interesting conversations, even got an interview at one place, but uh, ultimately that didn't work out. You know, so I stayed on and I did the corporate ID for uh, a couple more years and, you know, one day I was just I was just having a tough day at work and I was feeling uninspired and, you know, just thinking about this other field that I knew I wanted to, to be a part of. And I opened up the website and Under Armour had a, a job posted. I was like I said, I was in D.C., so it was pretty local. I didn't have to worry about a big move if something worked out. And, you know, they had this this position. And so I, I pulled out some work samples it was for a senior men's designer. Uh, I put together some of my my sketches and. Uh, made a PDF and sent it along. And I mean, it was a job I was completely, completely underqualified for. I mean, I w- it was completely naive to think that I would even get a call back. But, you know, sometimes you have to be that naive and, and, and that way you don't really worry about the, the risks and repercussions. And so I got a call back and they brought me in for an interview. Um, and uh, I, like I said, wasn't qualified for the job. And they, they basically told me that. And they said, you know, look, you, you clearly have a passion for this. And we're going to take a really big risk on you and, you know, please don't disappoint us. 
So uh, they took a risk and you know, the rest is history. It got me here and it was, it was a long time ago. I was doing uh, both our power graphics as well as uh, the uniform design and then sort of got to a point where it just became too much for one person. And uh, I said, you know, I know that there are one million graphic designers that are better than me at this. So there may be better designers at, at, uh, at uniform design, but there's no one that's more passionate. And this is the path I'd like to take. And so, you know, that became my, my major focus. And since then, we, we built, um, gone from outfitting three teams to over 500 a season. And the team has grown from just me to now there are, there are 13 of us on staff that specifically focus on team sports. And so that kind of takes you from my beginnings to, to where we are today. Wow. Nice. So what was your role? Like when you said you started there, it was like senior men's designer. What, what types of projects were you working on there? No, I didn't get the senior men's designer job. Um, oh. They, yeah, they said, they said, you're not qualified. And I said, okay, I just want an opportunity. They actually said, you can be our senior men's graphic designer. Uh, and then you can, when, when projects come up that outfit teams, you can, you can work on those. So okay. um, I, I focus on graphics for a while. I did, uh, it did, you know, graphics that you'd find on T-shirts and, and on various parts of apparel. And then that was the initial plan. But interestingly, on the third day, uh, we launched the Auburn deal. We, we had signed them to an all-school contract. And there just wasn't enough people on staff at the time. I was designer number seven. Uh, there's only two of us from that original group that are left. But I was designer number seven. We have... You know, upwards of 150 now. So, so that's seven in the entire company at that time. Seven in the entire, yeah, seven wow. in the entire company that focused on apparel. We weren't making footwear at the time, so um, it was just just apparel driven. So there were seven of us, and there just wasn't enough enough bodies to do it. So they said, "All right, well, you know, as luck would have it, this is your opportunity, and and uh, you get to design uniforms now." So I mean, I was like a sponge. I had to learn everything there is to know about about construction of garments and, and seams and fabrics. But, you know, when, you, when you've waited so long to have an opportunity like, like I had, you just really, you dive, you dive you know, head first into it. And, um, you know, I just consider myself incredibly lucky because I made the right call at the right day and they took, they took a flyer on me, they took a huge chance. So uh, I just can only hope that I haven't disappointed them, to be honest. Yeah, so you um you moved your way up and now you're creative director of an entire staff. I think you said what, twelve or thirteen people just in your group? There are thirteen of us just just in my group, yeah. So okay. like I said, there are there's about hundred and fifty designers. So we have focuses on outdoor, on men's, on women's, accessories, footwear. So my group focuses on team sports. Okay. So what what is a you're the creative director in team sports. What does a typical day look like for you as a creative director there? The great thing about this industry is that every day is different. I think that's what makes it so exciting. It's what makes it so easy to get up and, and come to work because there are just challenges day by day. You know, on, on Thursday, we were down at South Carolina. On Saturday, we were focusing on Navy because they, they launched their uniforms. Uh, this morning, I'm working on uh, some items for, uh, for a commercial shoot that we're doing. We actually have this uh, unique opportunity to, to work with Casey Kane and designing his new NASCAR, which sounds like it has nothing to do with team sports, but it's just, you know, through relationships, it's something that we're going to get a chance to, to do uh, and help Farmers Insurance design their, their next car. So, you know, that's, that's unusual, of course, but it just is illustrating the fact that every day is incredibly different here. So, um, you know, it's just figuring out what you're going to do and how you're going to solve the day's tasks and move on to the next one. So since, since you sort of began and started that whole team sports department over there, as far as processes and things were concerned, as far as like how you approached these uniform design projects, was that something that you yourself came up with and refined over the years? Or, or how, did you, how did you come up with that process? And maybe talk a little bit about that process. Well, I think I was in the unique position because uh, it was just so new to the company and there was no one doing it. So you know, I wanted to do it. I essentially got thrown into it, like I said before, because we had limited bodies to handle the projects. And because it was me and because it was, I was solely focused on it, I was essentially able to, to build the process, you know, the way I wanted it. And I guess um, I'm maybe detailed to a fault in a way. Uh, some people might call it obsessive compulsive. But, uh, you know, I think just the way that I, I structured the processes and, and um, the information... 
has allowed us to, to build our team out as quickly as possible. I mean, it wasn't, didn't take that long to go from just me to the, to the 13 designers that we have now. And I think, you know, all of those things that we put in place in the beginning, you know, as the team grew, um, really allowed us to, to sort of seamlessly become the team that we are now. So you guys um, tend to take a very intimate route when it comes to uh, uniform design. You, you include subtle elements from architecture and from like histories of the schools, which I, I personally think is a very beautiful thing. Why do you take this route as opposed to a more systemized design process for like, say, yearly designs and like this is the yearly uniform? And do you find that that this um, extra work and attention to detail is something that sets you guys apart from other uniform manufacturers? I'd like to think so. Uh, that that certainly is is the end goal. There is just you know we want to come at it from a different angle and really tell a story that's about the university, something that's really significant to them and personal to them. You know, I think there there are various ways you can approach this, but art is art is incredibly subjective. Uh, so you layer in the subjectivity of art and how that makes a person feel. It's very emotional. On top of that, you pile on the the athletics, the sports, the teams, and we all know how people are passionate about their team. So, you know, the two of those together is a lethal sort of potion. So you want to find a way that you can at least, you know, I can't make people like what, what I do. My designers can't make people like what they do. But if we can tell a story and people can appreciate the story behind what we do, in the least they can associate with that. And, you know, when I was in college, I learned a, I learned a really good lesson. It has stuck with me since. And we were doing a logo project the time and I remember we had this critique and we all had to pin our artwork on a wall and I pinned mine up and I felt really good about it. I was I was pretty confident in, in sort of how it looked and was ready to stand in front of the class and talk through it. And my professor asked me what the concept was behind it. What what was the significance? And I didn't have an answer. I just, you know, my answer was essentially, well I thought it looked cool and I thought it was different. <laughs> yeah. You know, and she said, well take it off the wall and go back to your room and figure out a concept and a story behind what you're doing and come back and, and then present us back with your, your revised logo. And that stuck with me uh, to this day. And it's the basis on which we design every day. We have a sign in our design studio here. It says no art for art's sake. And what that basically means is if, if you create design that's based on something that's significant, if it's based on a story, you'll create a design that's relevant. It'll stand a test of time. And you know, without that concept and without that story, design can just come and go. It's just going to be art for the sake of art. And there really won't be any major significance behind it. Right. So have you found that like these case study videos that you do sort of help like, the, the, for example, the one um, for Notre Dame? or with um, Northwestern from, from a couple of years ago when you got, I think it was like 14 sports, one team or something like that. Um, have you found that those help in being able to tell that story as far as like the fans and the alumni are concerned? Because if they, if they see and understand that story, it seems like it would be um, easier to accept these changes when there's a lot of stakeholders involved and, and those changes aren't necessary. They're seeing that those changes are based on like really subjective opinions. That's totally true. You know, when you, when you're dealing with university, you're dealing with current students, you're dealing with alumni. So, you know, you're, you're running the gamut of, of a huge, huge, um, you know, this like age bracket. And so the, the best way to, to sort of make sure that you're identifying with every, every one of them is to just help manifest a story, find a way to, to make the public understand what we did when we did it. And, you know, we create those videos because so much goes into every design that we turn out and uh, no matter what sport, no matter what team. And we want to make sure that that information is, is received by the public because the school has invested a lot of time and energy in, in working with us to, to figure out what those looks are going to be and what that story is, is going to be. And so, you know, if we, if we don't tell that message, if we don't tell the story to the public, then we will not have completed the circle. And then, you know, people are still going to make their own judgments and their own inferences from, from what we do. And certainly some people won't even believe that the stories that we're telling are actually the reasons we design, but they are. And, you know, if you can, if you can at least have people understand why you did what you did, you have a fighting chance of making them like what you did. Have you found that um, 
there's a difference in some of the projects that you approach where you do put out uh, the sort of extensive case studies like the Notre Dame one, as opposed to any other ones where you maybe don't do videos and, and the extensive case studies? You know, I don't know that we've actually measured that, but I'd like, I'd like to believe that. Yes. I think, you know, where, where we've told the story visually and, you know, push, push that home. Um, I think, you know, reception is probably higher. You also deal with, especially in, in sports, you know, you deal with fan bases and, you know, there are just some fan bases that are going to hate other, other fan bases regardless and other teams regardless. Right. So, you know, and sometimes you deal with teams that have, uh, are, are more represented on, on blogs and on social media. So, you know, I, I think that could sort of put a spin on, on those numbers, but I bet you if we did a hard case study, you'd find out that where we've really been uh, visual and uh, with how we've told the story, that it's been received at a higher rate. That's, that's interesting. I never thought about um, the whole <laughs> opposite fan, opposing fan bases and, and their effect on things like these <laughs> coming in, talking about that, those suck. <laughs> but yeah, the thing is, the, rea- the reality is everything that you do, according to them, <laughs> is going to suck. <laughs> to- uh, totally. It's, it's actually really funny. I mean, you know, I don't spend that much time reading blogs because, you know, my goal isn't, my goal isn't to, to please the, the audience. Our goal isn't to, to make everyone happy. It's really to tell the story that the school wants to tell. You know, it's about those athletes. It's about that school at that time. And, you know, we can get mired uh, in reading the blogs and the comments because, you know, a great deal of them aren't necessarily positive or receptive. But, you know, the, the ones that you do, read, it, gets, it gets pretty funny because you'll have a string of comments based on, on the design, let's just say. And then one, one person will make a comment specifically about the team. <laughs> And then you'll get this substring that goes back and forth about, you know, how how they hate each other and how, you know, which team is better. And it it, it can get pretty funny, actually. (laughs) That's hilarious. So you guys, uh, you're you're working on these uniforms. And so each year, you know, you're more than likely you're probably going to do a a new uniform or, or something, at least some changes are. And we if we think about brands and like the brand, you know, you have like different brands, even within like we're talking about college here, but like specifically within a school, right? Like you have the brand of the school, right? And sort of like the corporate brand. Then you got the athletic brand and then you have the program brand. So like the football program and then like that coach's brand that he's sort of been pushing throughout, um, you know, his tenure there or whatever. Uh, And then you have the brand of the team of this year. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you approach uh, some of these uniform designs? Are you designing, is there, is there like a mix uh, that you're trying to like encompass all of those? Or are you designing specifically for the team? Like an example would be Northwestern this year, the basketball uniforms, you allowed the actual team to design, um, you know, incorporate some of their own hand-drawn elements onto the, onto the uniforms. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a great question and a great observation because there are all of those levels and all of those things you have to sort of factor in. You know, when we do these projects, we always start with the school first. Um, we, we have a saying that we don't design for a specific team. We design for a specific university. And our goal, and if you look at some of the work we've done, is really to unify that university together. So their athletic program is is treated as one. And you know, our, our idea is that you can cover the name of the, the team on the front of the jersey, and regardless of the sport, you'll know from which university they came, and you'll be able to sort of link them together. Sort of like if you were doing, you know, corporate identity, and you were designing, you know, the brochure, and you were designing letterhead and logo and stationery. They wouldn't look exactly the same, but they were sort of linked together. You know, and that's that's sort of our approach with the uniforms. And then, as it relates to sort of those more one-off uniforms and special games, I think that's where we can really get focused in on a specific story for football, a specific story for basketball. And you touched on the, the uniform we did for Northwestern last year, which we call by the players. And, you know, it was just something we thought would, would be new and different and a way to really engage the players in creating the uniform that they wore on court. And Coach Collins had just gotten to Northwestern. He, you know, he'd come from Duke and he was really excited about coming home and taking over that program and we wanted to partner with him and really sort of have something for the kids to grasp onto you know to become inspired and and we sat down with them and we we asked a whole series of questions we must have spent four hours uh, on campus that day and asking questions about color and design and 
uh, trips they took together and bonding moments and what, it's, what it, uh, a good teammate means and words that represent the program. And we did the same thing with the coaching staff. And so, you know, that was something that was really neat because there was a lot of uh, information that Coach Collins really wanted to push down to his kids um, and these, these stories that he wanted to tell. So we were able to take sort of his, his ideas and his themes and the, and the kids' ideas, and they actually linked up in, in an amazing way, especially considering the short time that he had been there at that point. And so we were able to include all of that stuff onto the uniform. And when the kids saw it, I mean, they had come back from, uh, they had come back from a defeat on the road. And they got home really, really late. And they walked into the locker room and the uniforms were out. And the kids hadn't seen them since we'd met. They knew we were doing it, but they hadn't actually seen the final result. And they walked into the locker room, you know, like I said, coming off a pretty bad loss on the road. And, and they saw the uniforms and just lit up. And they went out and went on, went on a little streak after that. So we'll never say that the uniforms cause a team to win or lose, but they can certainly have a, an emotional effect. And, you know, I think because the kids were a part of that and because Coach was a part of that, I feel like the whole team was able to rally around that and maybe change the course of their season. I think that that's interesting where kids see these uniforms and then it sort of psychs them, psychs them out and gets them pumped up for the next game. So those kids saw like no mock-ups or anything. They just, I guess what you're saying is they literally, you know, drew these elements or whatever that you later use who approved them. Like who sees those? We went through the school, the school approves everything just to make sure that, you know, it's representing their brand in, in the right light. And, uh, you know, we, we obviously pass through our legal team, especially when you're dealing with little icons and little drawings. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that can be misinterpreted or, or misunderstood. So we wanted to make sure that we were covered. So um, we actually took a lot of extra steps with that particular project to make sure that everything was, was copacetic and we could put it on court. So does the, no, the, does the coach see them ahead of time and approve them? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the, the administration and coaches always see the uniforms. Uh, there are times, you know, when, when they'll choose to show players and times when, when they won't. And that's entirely up to them. You know, we did the, when we did Maryland Pride that first year, uh, when Maryland came out with a flag inspired uniform, not many of the kids had seen it and none of the fans had seen it. And we were very intentional with the school about who got to see that beforehand. Um, you know, there are times now where with the Navy summer white uniforms that they wore this past weekend, you know, that was released early. We wanted the public to see it early. Uh, the players got to see it early. So there are different reasons for sort of each decision made as case by case. But um, in that specific instance with Northwestern, coach saw it and the administration saw it. But no, the players actually didn't get to see it uh, until it was hanging in their lockers. I've got to say, you talked about the Navy uniforms. Uh, those are super sharp. I'm a big fan of those. So kudos to your team for, for those. The concept as well. The, I love the helmet. I actually want one of those helmets, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. So I th- we, we were uh, trying to think of, of a way to sort of celebrate you know, that new partnership with the Naval Academy. It's something that we have wanted for a while. Um, and in fact, you know, the concept of that uniform existed a very, very long time ago, over two years ago, believe it or not. So it was something that, you know, we, we wanted to find a way where we could do uh, an entirely unique play with design. And so essentially bringing in all of the, the players' ranks so that there were five different uniforms on a field. I mean, obviously they have to look uniform. So so from afar, they, they appear the same, but as you get closer and you can see their ranks, I feel like it was something pretty different and pretty, pretty unique, especially to the school, because you know those guys, if, if you saw any footage, they showed up to the stadium in their summer whites Navy uniform with their rank on their shoulders. And then they went into the locker room and they dressed in their football uniform in white with their ranks on their shoulders. And you know it was, uh, it was, a, it was a special moment for everyone here and hopefully for everyone there. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm a, I'm a big fan of those. So when, um, you know, you have these, these sort of contracts that come in through the schools and, and you sort of sign these multi-year deals, which is typical of, of that particular business. Um, when you are, you know, we think about this sort of like advertising agency model, and I know you sort of came from that area before moving towards Under Armour and, and you think about like spec work and pitch work and things like that. When, when you guys are, are up for like a, a contract, are teams, are you pitching uniforms and things like that to teams ahead of, t- ahead of time? Or, or are you just trying to kind of put together um, presentations on, on like the merit of things that you've like already done? 
Well, it's sort of a combination of both, and I, I'd probably be a little coy with my answer so we don't give out any trade secrets. Yeah, but, yeah, no problem, no problem. <laughs> but, um, you know, in truth, it's, it's a combination of both. You know, it's a lot of research on the school, and uh, there are times when, when we'll show uniform concepts, and there are times when we really just focus on sort of the service we provide because, you know, the, the visual things that we tell on field is only one aspect of, of what we offer a school. Uh, we have the best service in the business, and uh, we pride ourselves on that. And sometimes, you know, we really want to play that up as well. So um, I guess it's case by case. And uh, when it makes sense, there are certainly visual sort of designs to, to help tell the story we're, we're messaging in those presentations. On, on, the, uh, on the special edition uniforms, like the ones with Navy, and then we were talking about the Northwestern ones, are those things that your team is sort of like looking at the schedule and, and coming in and, and picking out games that are maybe special or have some type of unique element to them and pitching those ideas to the team? Or are those things where maybe the team comes to you and says, we want something different for this particular game? It's definitely both. Uh, we, we certainly have our perspective on when we, when we believe uh, a special game could, could occur, a specific opponent, specific time of year. Uh, the school may have a different opinion. They may have a, a different idea entirely. But you know, ultimately, we, we come together and, and decide on, on what makes the most sense and uh, against whom they, they want to wear it. So I guess it's, like I said, it's a combination of the two. Um, and you know, there are times when we've done those Wounded Warrior games where obviously it's going to be in the month of November because we want it to be around Veterans Day. But beyond that, it really sort of is, is dependent on, on opponent, um, location, time of day, those types of things. So other than, uh, other than uniform designs specifically, what other types of projects are you working on inside your group? I know that you talked a little bit about doing some NASCAR stuff earlier, but what about like identity work, you know, rebrand, rebranding of athletic programs or things like that? Didn't you, you guys um, did the uh, Northwestern N, right? Well, the N existed. We, we, we sort of, the big thing with them was the stripe. So, uh, and I'll, I'll specifically answer your question in a moment, but I'll comment first, <clears throat> excuse me, on our role with Northwestern. You know, Northwestern, the stripe that they wear, they were actually the first to wear it. Um, it's actually called the Northwestern stripe in the industry. So, you know, it maybe is the most commonly used stripe in football. And we wanted to have, have a story around them reclaiming that stripe. So reclaim a stripe sort of became our rallying cry for, for that, that design story. And the school really got on board with that. And so if you, if you walk their campus now, the stripe is, it's around their stadium, it's on their fence, on their baseball field. Uh, it essentially is everywhere that, that you can want it to be. So, you know, we didn't create the end necessarily, but we helped create that sort of identifiable stripe becoming iconic back to that school. We, we have done the full rebrand for the University of Maryland. We've partnered with other universities as we start to go down rebrand trails with them. Um, I, I don't want to say necessarily who they are because we are still sort of in, in the concepting stage, but there's a couple. And I think, you know, the industry now, because all these manufacturers are equipping themselves with talent that has experience in logos and, and branding, it almost becomes a one-stop shop, you know, where a university can come in and they can take the expertise of someone who's really, really knowledgeable and has, has done all of the research about the university because that's essentially how we're going to create these stories and create the uniforms. And then you have all that and you compare it with the ability to, to rebrand because um, you know, we're, we're all so familiar with, with our clients and what they stand for. So when those opportunities arise, we love to jump at them because we have so many experts here that have done it. And so some of those projects are on our plate now. Like I said, we, we did the University of Maryland and we did some tweaks with, with Boston College. Um, you know, and as those, as those things arise in the future, I suppose it will sort of stay the courses, the manufacturers really handling that because, you know, all of us, I think, have done a really excellent job. You know, not just, not just my company here, but, you know, the other companies and our competitors, I think, we have shown the ability to create beautiful design that's, that's informed and allows us to really link up with um, what we put on field to what, uh, what the school is, is, looks like in terms of logos and branding. Well, I think it's definitely an interesting shift in, in the industry, so to speak, where, you know, um, historically, a lot of that type of stuff has probably been, you know, maybe outsourced to 
agencies or, or freelancers or that type of thing, but you guys yourselves, and then also, you know, some of the other companies that you're referring to are, are closer to the brand and closer to the manufacturing processes and those types of things. So uh, I think that's pretty interesting to see how the direction's been going, going that way. What, what type of things are, are involved? Like when you're working on these uniforms and, and again, like I know that there's some secret processes and maybe proprietary things that you, you don't want to <laughs> give away, but you know, when we think about like looking at the logistics of producing some of these things. And, and at the end of the day, like they need to be maybe cool and have like a little bit of like swagger to them, depending on like the brand that you're trying to sell, but also just some of the fundamentals of like readability in numbers and, and sort of like the logistics of like, are you guys creating prototypes and walking up into the top of a, a stadiums and looking down to see like if the numbers are readable or that type of thing? It's a fantastic question. And in fact, it's a very, very hard lesson that I learned with this and you know, I look back on, on a specific instance which I'll sort of expand on in a moment and I, and I look back on that instance and think that it may ultimately become the most important moment of my career because uh, we had just launched the Maryland Pride uniform and, and all of us here felt really proud of sort of what happened with that uniform and, and all of the exposure that we were able to help Maryland get. I mean we we had them as fireside conversation for the first time in a while. You know, a few a few weeks later, we were down at South Carolina, and they had uh, they were playing in a Wounded Warrior football game for us. And you know, it was a, it's a big deal uh, our association with the Wounded Warrior project, and we right. wanted to to celebrate that with with the uniform. We've done it several times, and the, the uniform on the field had a uh, a print inside of the number. And I remember standing on the sideline, and, and you know, like I said, we were still still sort of on, on cloud nine from, from our successes earlier, earlier in that season. And I remember the punter came out to warm up and he bent over to pick up the football. And when he stood up in the shadows of the stadium in South Carolina, you, it, it is late in the afternoon, it just sort of casted this, this darkness on one side of the, of the field and you couldn't see the numbers. And, um, you know, the, the guys ultimately had to change jerseys. And, I look back, obviously, at the moment, uh, in that moment, it was incredibly embarrassing and, and what I thought would be one of the worst moments of my career. But, you know, mistakes happen and uh, you just have to recognize the lessons that are within those mistakes and make sure you don't do them again. And if you can, if you can make a mistake a, a sort of learning tool, uh, then it's actually not that bad. And my learning tool there was that we need to make sure that above all else, regardless of design, the uniform has to function. It has a utilitarian need, whether it's reading numbers or performing the way that it needs to perform. And when design crosses over that boundary and becomes more important or more prominent, then we've made a mistake. And so that is something that is always in the back of my head. And so since then, we we test everything that we do. So we will test at night, we'll test in the day, we test at various points of the day, depending on the sort of the direction of the sun, so we know that numbers or prints or patterns are visible and that we won't ever have that problem again. Well, that's, I appreciate you sharing that story. That's so you saw, um, I mean, I think we all learn from mistakes. I, I just me personally, I, um, when I was working at, uh, at IMG, I was working on, uh, college football game programs for <laughs> Florida state. And, um, I got their Pantone color wrong of that sort of like gold, <laughs> and, and when it printed and it was, I mean, it was hideous. Like it was, I couldn't even explain like what it looked like. It was, <laughs> it was terrible. And, and I saw it and was like, this is bad. <laughs> and they ended up having to reprint them. But, but I think, you know, what happens is, is throughout our careers, you know, especially with you, I mean, you, you sort of, uh, you know, created your guys process. I mean, those are all learning experiences, which I think are beautiful things. And, and I, I think the audience listening to the show will be appreciative of you sharing that story. Um, you know, because obviously, uh, you did learn from it. So I do have to ask you though, you said when you saw the punter bent over and, and you didn't see the, uh, the numbers, did you know right then like that, that, so in, like that was before they decided that they were going to change uniforms was like in your head, you were like, this is a major problem. Yeah, it was, Immediate, immediate. I mean, he he bent over, he picked up the football, and he stood back up, and it was <laughs> it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to have to change. At least in at least in my mind. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't so black and white um, when when the decision was made. But you know, I knew, and I and I also knew that even if they didn't have to change the numbers, that I had made a mistake. 
you know, we, you know, I had fought for it internally. There were, there were people here, you know, there's, it will surprise um, people how many uh, humans have to touch everything that we do to make it actually get on the field of play. I mean, you know, my team is, is one component of an enormous team. You know, we can draw all the pretty pictures we want, but without everyone else to, to really bring it to life, uh, nothing would happen. And so there were people that within that group that had said, you know, I think these numbers might be a concern. And I fought for it. And, you know, we, we had a, a group discussion. I wasn't the only one. And we all agreed that we would be okay with those numbers. And, you know, the truth is if, if the sun was directly overhead or if it was a night game, we probably would have been okay, at least for, for one game. But the positioning of the sun that afternoon, it just, it, it just completely darkened the numbers. It, it completely took them out of the game. You couldn't see them. You know, and, and there, are, there are OCs and DCs that sit up in a press box, and that's how, they, that's how they call their defense. That's how they make their substitutions. And if, if they can't see those numbers, you know, it's a major problem. So right. um, it's just one of those things where, you know, I knew, I knew that I had really fought for it. And even if they had been able to keep the numbers, I knew that it was a mistake. Right. Well, you know, I think those are types of things where, you know, you took a risk and, and, uh, you know, you ne- never would have known, I guess, <laughs> in, in that type of instance. But it, uh, like you said, it refined your process. And now you guys are testing these types of things. And, and, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that those types of processes would exist and, unless you, you learn from, from mistakes like that. So, uh, yeah, again, man, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. So back on this uniform thing though, and, and we see like recently the NCAA and a team got charged with like timeouts recently last weekend for some, some things that were done on their uniforms. How, how much involvement do they have? Like, are you guys actively looking at their rules and, and handbook, or is that something that the school is responsible for passing, passing through to them? At this point, I think I think both the manufacturer and the school are 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 policing it because, you know, the rules are they're ever changing, and you know the the uniform industry has expanded so quickly, and all of us are doing so many different things with the uniforms that the NCA is just trying to trying to keep up. You know, they they have they have to make sure that their referees can see the numbers. They have to make sure that the things that we're doing on the field don't detract from the things that that are most important referees making calls, coordinators making substitutions. And so they're writing these rules and we're all trying to make sure we stay on top of them. And, uh, you know, we saw what happened this weekend. Um, ultimately, ultimately uh, Vanderbilt had a letter that said that it was approved, but there was a little uh, miscommunication as to which portions were approved and which weren't. And I, won't, I don't, don't really know enough to know that they did what they were supposed to or they didn't. But what I do know is that it sort of brought to surface again that we're all trying to understand what the rules are and we all are trying to do the next best and most cool design with our uniforms. And so, you know, there's, there's going to be a fine balance between how far we can take it and how far they're going to let us take it. And, you know, and so for the time being, we're all sort of like each year, we just make sure we know the rules and we, we partner with the NCAA. I mean, we, we send them, a lot of the new concepts that we have on the field this year, they've seen them. In fact, they've seen all of them because we know that, that ultimately we don't want our teams to, to be in that position. And our teams obviously don't want to be in that position. So we've sent everything that we've come up with to the NCAA. We get their blessing uh, and we, you know, we make sure that we've covered that ground. So how much like physical execution as a creative director are, are you doing? Or are you sort of just guiding the team and, and that type of thing? It's been a sort of been a slow progression of doing less and less physical designing. You know, I think as a designer, it's one of the hardest things you have to go through because you, know, you spend your whole life drawing or, or creating. And then, you know, as you as you sort of move up in the corporate world, you're being asked to do less and less, more managing, less designing. I think it's always been our way to sort of express ourselves and really balance ourselves out in, in that world. Creativity and, and design is is a release for us. And so when you're, when that becomes less and less part of your day, you have to find other ways to, 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 you know, like I said, release, but, um, it's, it's an, it's sort of a necessary evil. And so right now I am, I still do a little bit of football, uh, but for the most part, a lot of the other sports, uh, my team members have, have taken on and some of the football duties 
at this point are, are with somebody else as well. I mean, you know, I'm involved in everything. I, I oversee everything. Um, I try not to micro, but I sometimes I can get I can get a little a little too much into the nitty and the gritty with everything. But it's just because you know I'm so passionate about what we do, and everyone here is so passionate about what we do. But you know, I'll always try to keep at least a couple of things to design because I think it's important. Um, but I also understand that it's it's important for the younger designers to grow, and they will grow by sort of having you know some of the things that I've done before, which are some of the more high profile projects and it's important for them to have that to have that exposure and, and to, to have those experiences so that they can grow as well do you ever uh get an opportunity to just kind of take a step back and and think about your work and sort of how your your projects are affecting the visual look and feel of of the game now, you know, football and, and just any game, basketball, and even now soccer and, and just representing this iconic brand that you've kind of been there and seen it grow over time, you know, that historically is going to go down as one of one of the most um, successful and iconic athletic brands ever. I think that, you know, there's always an appreciation for what we've been able to do on field uh, with, with our teams and our properties. And, you know, the, the story of how this company was founded, it's, it's an underdog story, you know, and we, we are the underdog in this market. And so, you know, I think that is, isn't lost on any of us here and it drives us to be better and better every single day. And we look back on some of the things that we've put on field in the past and I think, you know, we've, we've sort of celebrated them um, and been proud of what we've done and, and sort of, you know, then put that away and said, what are we going to do next? How are we going to make it better than, than that? You know, and, and Kevin Plank has a saying here. He says, you know, we haven't made our, our defining product yet. So everyone that comes to work here, we're, we're each and every one of us is trying to, to figure out what is that defining product? What's it going to be? And how, how, can, how can I, you know, be a part of it? Can it come from my group? And uh, that really drives us to the next level every single day. How much does technology play into um, your your role as, as your group itself, but also the brand of Under Armour, you know, from the uniforms and then actual physical technology, like, I don't know, apps or things like that. Do you see that something in the future that you guys are going to sort of pursue? Absolutely. And we, we have two very, very key words in our mission statement, uh, as, as least as it pertains to what we do every single day. And one is design, you know, a company, like this has design in our mission statement uh, that just shows how much everyone appreciates the importance of design. And as designers, that's obviously something that we can really, really rally around. And then the second is innovation. And that's more important than design, especially here, because we are, you know, an innovation company. And we have an innovation lab and they're, I mean, not even everyone at this building can get back there. It's, it's that it's that top secret, you know, and they're working on the, the next best things and all these technologies and you have to be able to to recognize the importance of of technology in the future of sport and we have um, we have a product called armor 39 and it it helps read heart rates and all and willpower and all of these things and that's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger the the idea of of monitoring athletes and you know understanding how much you can get out of them and how when you're pushing them too far and so we have a team completely dedicated just to the aspect of innovation and technology. And I probably know one sixteenth of what they're working on now because they're, they're thinking so, so far out and so pie in the sky. So how much, um, how much, like, I know that it's not necessarily a team sport, but are you guys getting to work on any other of the other sub brands within Under Armour, like say Under Armour hunting and some of the innovative things that you guys are doing there? There's always, uh, there's always a bit of cross-pollination, I'd say, where, you know, where my designers here aren't necessarily doing that product, but we are partnering with those designers either to, you know, if, if, there's, a, if there's an outdoor jacket with this really cool pocket or um, this great innovation we came out last year called the MagZip, and, and it's a basically a zipper you can do with one hand because of the way that it, it closes. And that's something that we're going to put on all of our outdoor jackets for our coaches next year. So... You know, it's important that when, when different aspects of the company have these wonderful innovations that we make sure that we've tapped into those because there are experts all over this building and, you know, we have to recognize when 
when we're at a point where we need to rely on those expertise to make our product better. How do you know that a, um, a uniform design is successful? Like, uh, is that based on fan response or, or, you know, Twitter mentions or, (laughs) or, or is the team loves it or is it based on like apparel sales? Like, how do you, how do you determine if, if something is successful that you put out there? It's incredibly hard to measure. I don't even know if there's a defined measurable against that, but I think, you know, we're, we're most concerned with response from, from the team and from the players because that's really the target audience for us. You know, we're really, it's really about those 18 year old kids who are coming to school, making decisions on school, not, not based on uniform, but you know, the way that the way that the industry is now, uh, it's certainly a component of their decision. It may be the, the least important thing on their list, but it's on their list, you know, and we want to make sure we're connecting to those athletes and we're connecting to the history of the school. And so, you know, I guess we'd measure success if um, if you come away with it and, and you've been able to tell this really neat story about a school, about its history or its campus, and at the same time connected to the athletes and, you know, made made them feel better when they put the uniform on. So let's talk about your Maryland uniforms from the Barclays Center a, a couple of years ago. I'm I'm a Kentucky fan, so that was that was the I'm definitely familiar with with those uh, those unis. Where did the inspiration come from from those? Yeah, that one that one was uh, was sort of a combination of things. But you know, I, we we were at a point with Maryland where we were doing everything with the flag. We had made several special uniforms for different sports. You know, not not just football um, that used a flag in a very overt way. And we, we felt like the expectation, and so did the school, would be that they would come up to, to Barclays and, and wear, wear something that was based on the flag. But the bigger story there was that sports was returning to Brooklyn. And I'm, I'm from New York. Um, my brother lives in Brooklyn now. So you know, I certainly have a soft spot in my heart uh, for New York and New York athletics as a whole. So, you know, we... We wanted to, to partner with the school and sort of celebrate the fact that professional sports was was coming back to Brooklyn. And I say professional, I, I know the Brooklyn Cyclones are, are there and were there prior, but, you know, that sort of top tier professional sports. And, you know, one way to do it was really to start celebrating the, the history of, of the Brooklyn Dodgers. And, you know, it sort of came about that we could focus on that flannel gray, that sort of vintage baseball feel, the script, you know, doing it in a way that was special to Maryland. We still had... The, the state flag was a part of that uniform, but in a much, much more subtle way. So the story was, was more about Brooklyn and more about sports in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, my brother got married in Brooklyn. I remember going into the deli right around the corner from, from where he got married and just sitting there and seeing all of the Brooklyn Dodgers paraphernalia that's on the wall. And just the, the borough never forgot. They never forgot that the Dodgers had left. And we just wanted to really celebrate that and and bring that aspect of sport onto the basketball court that one night for Maryland. Where do you go for inspiration, either in the digital form or in the physical form? I get asked this question uh, a lot, and I'll tell you this. My first answer is always is always looking at what other people do. And I don't mean that I open books and, and look to copy. What I mean is, this is very important because I think there's there's a lot of that, and uh, it's actually the complete opposite of that. I look at, at what other people do because if I haven't done it, if I haven't considered it, you know, there's a uniform um, that was on the field. It just got changed, but it was on the field for several years. And I remember when it first came out and I saw it. It wasn't. It was not an Under Armour uniform, and it it really rocked my world because I. I never ever considered that as a design. Never even came close to sketching something like it, and it drove me. It really inspired me to to you know get out of my comfort zones and to figure out ways where I can really do things that are different and and make sure that I don't repeat myself. And so I get inspired by other people when they've done something that is so far beyond what I've considered that it almost drives me crazy. Um, so that, that's one way. And obviously, as we, as we partner with specific schools, we get very, very direct inspiration from, from them and their history and their campus and, and those types of things. Um, it's, it can be pulled from anywhere, you know, inspiration. But, you know, mine, the way that I do it is, is I guess, maybe a little more tangible. It's really specifics to, to the project I'm working on and... Um, like I said, things I've never considered that other people have done because it just drives me crazy. 
Do you ever find inspiration from things that are maybe completely unrelated, like uh, um, a, a car design or something like that? Absolutely. I mean, there's there, if you go up to our footwear design group here, I mean, there's there's all sorts of cars and inspiration around that, and we we certainly pull inspiration, um, you know, from all all walks of life, you know. And gosh, we had a board here once that had had tree frogs from rainforests on it, you know, and. It's amazing sort of how the design mind works and how you can sort of take something that seems so abstract and make such a direct connection back to back to the, the project you're working on. But absolutely, you know, I, I'll look at things like cars and, and you know, I'm, I tend to work in, in sort of more machine-like, faster lines. So, you know, things like robots and Tron and all those types of things really play a role in, in sort of the aesthetics of, of what we create. But... Um, I, you know, I'd say that every designer essentially finds inspiration in different things. But um, for me, cars is cars is there, but it's certainly not there as much as it is for I think some other people. So in this in this um, social internet era, and and especially with sports, and I, I sort of this becomes a theme <laughs> on this show. But um, you know, the work that you do is on such a higher pedestal. Um, and that people care so much more about these things that you would think normally they wouldn't care about, right? Something like a uniform design. Um, how do you handle criticism um, that, you know, happens in this world of all of these uniform geek blogs, like the sports logos net, or like the dribbles of the world where people are like, you know, seeing something and saying, I don't like that. So I'm going to redesign it. Like, how do you handle that criticism? And then what are your thoughts on people that are taking things and just completely redesigning them out of their own subjectivity? Well, I'll go backwards on that question. I'll start with the end and I'll just say, you know, we, we talked in an intro here about, how the this this field is was really so niche before and it still is niche but it's really sort of cultivated this cult following and i think you know i actually i it excites me to see that there are people out there that care so much about it you know that feel like what we do is so significant because in in you know the greater scheme of life what we're doing isn't isn't that significant we're we're not curing cancer you know we're not going to war we're not right. fighting for freedom right and so you know but we like to think, you know, that we are making a difference in some way, shape or form. We are representing a university. And so, you know, when people care enough about it to, to sort of go to that extent, it's kind of a nice feeling. It's like we, we are impacting people in some way, positive or negative, but we're impacting people. We're, we're creating a very specific emotion. And, and that's a pretty good feeling. And that's, I guess, probably the, the ultimate goal of what we do. We, we strive for positive emotion, but, you know, there's always negative emotion about art because it is so subjective. And so, you know, and I think the, the stuff that we do is certainly, you know, in, in a role of high exposure. And you, you could sit there and you could read all the blogs. And <laughs> I mean, there's some things that, that I've read based on uh, some feedback on designs we've created that has been, it's been awful. I mean, terribly, terribly awful. Just, just really sort of almost crossing the line. But, you know, you really can't worry about that because it's just one person's opinion and you never know why they're saying it. Like we said before, it could be just because they hate a specific university or they hate a specific player and sport is so passionate and so close to people's hearts. And, uh, you know, you, you evoke such emotion with, with a design and a design of a specific school or specific team that, you know, if you were to spend time really, really reading everything that was written, you probably would, you probably would stop doing what you're doing. And, um, you know, if you, if you ultimately feel good about what you've created and you, you like the story that you told, uh, you, you have the support of your own team members internally, you have the support of the team uh, externally, meaning the team you're designing for, I think that's a success. And, and you can't measure it really in, in what other feedback is and what other people say, because it's just really an opinion. Well said. Well said. What do you consider to be the most important or standout thing that you've learned over your years as a designer working in sports? I just think it's about the concept. Really, it's about telling a story, um, really, really layering on design detail that ties back to, to a specific story that is about the university or about your, the, the team. Because like I said before, you know, it's art and it's not gonna, it's not gonna please everyone. But if, if there's a concept and there's a story behind what you do, 
and at least someone should be able to appreciate why you did it. You know, when we did those Maryland uniforms several years ago, the most of the country hated them. I mean, if you, on a poll, I mean, it was, it was pretty polarizing at the time and it had gotten a lot of press, but you know, more than 50% of the press was negative. But the thing is, it was about the flag and it was about the state of Maryland and the university finding an element that could unite the entire state around their school and around their team. And if you think of it, think of it through that lens, is through the, the school finding something that could really unify an entire state, then you can probably realize it was a success because the, the flag, even though you know, everyone in Maryland knows what that flag is, it, it made that flag representative of specifically that school. And ultimately that was, that was our goal and that was the school's goal. So um, I think you know, this is a long-winded way of saying if you, if you have a story behind what you do, then there's always reasons for people to, to like what you do and at least to appreciate what you do. Well, I've, I've got to say that I, I firmly believe that you guys do better than probably anybody else design specifically for your audience where that audience will understand it as opposed to like, you're not designing the Notre Dame uniforms for all of college football, right? Like you're designing those for like the Notre Dame audience. And I think that that's the beautiful thing about it is that people that understand Notre Dame and understand the golden domers, uh, the golden dome and, and the understand the, uh, mosaic tile and have seen it and experienced it are going to going to get it. So, so big, uh, big props to that you and your team on that. Cause I know there's a lot of criticism that, that you guys face. So I just want to kind of end that on a, on a super positive note. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I appreciate that. And I'll tell you, like, you know, we do, we do design very specific to, to the school and, you know, with Notre Dame, I mean, that some of the things that we put into that, the Shamrock uniform is very, very subtle. And if you, if you haven't been to the school and if you haven't experienced the school, you may not even understand what all those elements are, but to the people at Notre Dame, to the people that really live and breathe it and understand it and, literally walk through that dome every day and walk on the tile that we have in a uniform or see the texture on a dome because they're so close to it, it, it really becomes a significant factor in, in sort of their lives. And therefore, when we're able to connect the design to that and make the design significant to them, that's really, that's really the, the goal with creating the designs, you know? Yeah, that's great. So do you have any um, advice for listeners that are trying to, you had kind of an interesting path into this, this industry, maybe people that are trying to get into the sports industry, be it just working, you know, in-house at a university with some of these people that you work with or uh, trying to get inside like an athletic apparel brand, like an Under Armour. Certainly do. I mean, like you pointed it out, I mean, I have a very sort of circuitous approach to, to have, having gotten into this industry and, you know, the, the big thing for me was passion. And, you know, designers can be very passionate about what they do, but there are some designers that aren't. And, you know, passion is, is key. I have, a, I have a saying on my wall here that says, passion wins the day. And I was hired on passion. And when, when we interview people, we will hire people on passion more so even than on hard skills, because you can, you can teach hard skills, but you, you can't teach intangibles like passion. And so, you know, because of passion, I was not willing to give up when, when people laughed me off the phone when I asked them how I get into the industry and, and they suggested that you know, people go to school for years and years to, be into the, to, to get into this industry, that wasn't enough for me. That wasn't the answer I wanted. And you know, I had persistence and I didn't give up on that. You know, it's, it's sort of willing what you want to happen. And you know, if you want something bad enough, then don't give up. I mean, it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's true. You know, I really could have just hung up that phone and, and gone back to you know, doing corporate ID and, and branding for the rest of my life. And I would have been, I would have been happy. You know, I, I liked what I did, but I didn't love what I did. And I love what I do now. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate and, and lucky enough that I wake up every single day and I come down to work and I'm excited when I walk through those doors. And that's only because, you know, I was, I was persistent in my, in my drive to, to get into this field. And if people tell you no, then keep on working, work harder and find a different path because there are many, many paths. Clearly, if, if you actually took a poll of all of my designers, we've each gotten into this field in very, very different ways. So there, is, there, isn't, a, there isn't a magic formula for getting here. Find your own path and don't give up. And, and if you want it bad enough, you'll get it. 
That's good advice, man. I appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners appreciate it too. I know you guys are innovating all on all sides of apparel and athletic gear over at Under Armour. Um, and now uh, even moving into the English Premier League, um, is there anything that uh, coming up that maybe we should be watching out for that that you can disclose? I know that I know that some <laughs> probably can't, but <laughs> that's a uh, yeah, that's a that's a fun question to to not answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know we're 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 expanding um, rapidly, and uh, like you, you touched on Tottenham, but we're you know we're global global initiatives are huge here, and uh, we we expect that to grow exponentially, you know, in the years to come. Uh, in terms of domestics, we, we certainly have a few things up our sleeves the rest of the season for football. And um, we're excited to see those uh, take the field to play at some point in time. And then as the, as the year carries on to other sports, we have, we have some of those things as well. You know, we've talked a lot about football today, but, you know, there's a great deal of effort made to, to all of the sports. And, you know, I'll say this, I think that we really pride ourselves on treating every sport equally in a sense. You know, I mean, football is, is a big revenue driver, basketball as well. But there are athletes out there, you know, in all sorts of sports that are, are you know, trying just as hard as, as the football players and the basketball players. Right. And, you know, we really make an effort to, to make sure that those sports are, are appreciated in the same way because they put as much energy into their craft as, as the other guys. And so... Um, we have some special things planned for, for a multitude of sports uh, throughout the course of uh, this school year. Very cool, man. I appreciate that. I'm going to ask you one thing, and it's going to be a completely subjective question, and then we'll, we'll end on that. What has been your favorite uniform design that you have either worked on or, or you know, that your team has done over, over your time there? Wow. Well, you know, I it's all I, it's like your kids, man. I'm having you I'm having you choose a choose a child here. <laughs> my god, it really yes, it really is a that's a tough that's a tough question and I've anticipated a lot of the questions we've talked about today. This one was not was not on my <laughs> list. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and, and answer it this way. Uh, you know, we did something for the the All-America baseball game last year and it, it probably the listeners probably think that there's other ways I could take this and other answers that they would expect me to say. But, you know, we did something for All-American Baseball where we did a, a very, very vintage style baseball uniform. And it was based on the Chicago Cubs. And there's that Norman Rockwell painting. Uh, it's very famous where there's the guys, you know, standing outside the dugout. And uh, we, we wanted to take that Chicago Cubs uniform and put it into a baseball uniform for All-America because sort of like this combination of the the history of Wrigley Field, which is where we hold the event, and the future legends of the baseball game. And we sort of called it, you know, future legends. And, it, it, you know, the word legend sort of harkens back to that heritage of baseball. So, you know, we had spent the years prior doing a very progressive type of uniform through color blocking and, and design. And we, we sort of zigged when everyone expected us to zag with that and came out with a very classic, very vintage baseball uniform. And, the kids loved it, and I think it was really neat to see because baseball being such a traditional sport, you know, and athletes now being so progressive in what they want and what their thoughts are, it was nice to see that these that these players have an appreciation for where the the inspiration came from, you know, and what sort of what actually has happened on that specific field prior to them stepping foot on it. And I think you know, that was a pretty cool moment to see the sort of appreciation for all of baseball's past, knowing that these kids are going to define baseball's future. Very cool. That's, that's awesome, man. I just want to reiterate for our listeners too, that that's a high school baseball game. I mean, the amount of attention to detail that you just described there for, for that, you know, is the same attention to detail that's, that's, you know, put into Notre Dame football. It sounds like to me. So, so that's great. I think that's awesome. I'll end with this, man. Where can our listeners find out more about you and maybe see your work or, uh, I don't know if you're on Twitter or anything like that. I, uh, I'm very social media inept, but, uh, I, I expect to, to sort of ramp up my, uh, ramp up my efforts there, but you know, I'm on LinkedIn and, uh, the, the best place is, you know, underarmor.com and, you know, my email address is uh is my first name uh sorry my email address is my first initial last name at underarmor.com and um anyone can email me to to chat and to just 
you know, bend my ear on whatever you want. But, uh, you know, I don't have a specific website. Everything that, that I create is sort of part of this, this, this bigger machine called Under Armour. And the best place to really see the work is to turn, on, turn your TV on, on on Saturday afternoons and see what takes the field. <laughs> no, that's the best portfolio site ever right there. <laughs> Whatever takes the field on Saturday mornings with an Under Armour logo on it. That's awesome. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. This is, uh, this is going to be a real treat for the listeners. I know that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me and, and keep up the great work. This is, this is incredibly awesome that you're giving this, this amazing field of, of business the attention it finally deserves. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. My next interview is going to be a bit different uh, in regards to the previous 11 shows. For the first time on Makers of Sport History, I'm going to be interviewing more than one guest at a time. Uh, So it should be interesting. It's going to be the founders of 8x8 Magazine. You may have seen 8x8 Magazine profiled on Fast Company's website during the World Cup. It is a beautifully produced print magazine with great illustration, art direction, and content. The magazine was founded by Robert Priest and Grace Lee, who are both notable publication designers in New York City. Uh, They've performed editorial design for Condé Nast Portfolio, Oprah Magazine, Esquire, GQ, Bloomberg, and many more. Uh, They work together in their own New York design firm, Priest Grace. Along with Grace and Robert, Cooper Lemon, ABA's marketing director, will be joining the show. So we'll have three guests at once. I'll talk to them about starting ABA Magazine as a side project stemming from their love of the beautiful game and uh, how it has grown into a notable source for inspiration and content in the world of soccer. Big thanks again to Adam Clement for taking time to join the show. He's a super busy guy. Like he said, turn on your television on college football. Look for the Under Armour logo and you will see his work. Uh, be sure to follow myself on Twitter at T Adam Martin, as well as the show at Makers of Sport. Please take time to rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever application you are listening in. It takes a lot of time to put these shows together, and it's uh, a lot more work than people pro- probably expect. Each show, uh, in preparation from show outlines to questions to the interviews, and then designing all the little assets that go on the site, usually takes me about eight hours per episode. So reviews from listeners and feedback means a ton uh, you know, and, and encourages me to keep going. Also, please check out the website and sign up for the email list, makersofsport.com. You can submit questions for guests or suggest guests there. Makersofsport.com, at T. Adam Martin. Until next time, have a good week.